Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. It's time for Compassion Radio 360 program. It's the end of the week. We try to find a news article, something out in the world around us. Maybe inspiring, maybe troubling. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of that, some spiritual lesson kind of bubbles forth as we study these current events. Because we believe that the Word of God itself is more current than anything in the world today. Absolutely, yeah. And this week's article, being the first week of the Lenten season for 2023... It is disturbing on so many levels, but it's also an incredible story of God's salvation and redemption of a person. I mean, it's a real testimony. The article deals with a young woman who's gone through a huge amount of trauma, but also has all the hallmarks of somebody who is not, quote, savable. And yet she turns out to be the hero of the story, too. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the person we're going to talk about today? Well, this story just broke my heart when I read it. Her story didn't resonate with me in a way that I can identify with her, but it resonated with me in a way that brought back so many memories of working with young people when I was just out of college as a counselor at a boys' home for troubled adolescents and preteens. And most of the kids that you work with are kids that were taken off the streets because they were prey for gangs Mm -hmm. in her city, and Mm -hmm. many of them were on the track to be violent offenders even before they were like 13 or 14 years old. Yeah, and the story is based in Stockton, California, which is where several of the young men that I worked with came from. It just brought up a lot in me to read this story and to think about those boys from over 30 years ago and where they may be even now. Hopefully there was something that was said during the time they were in the boys' home that encouraged them to live different lives than what they had been I got their attention somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's my prayer. This gal's name is Natasha Latour, and she is still alive. That was the thing that that was made very clear at the very beginning of this article. And And that she is alive is a pretty stunning statistic. It is a miracle, and she will call it that herself. The first line of this article says, Her body is riddled with bullet hole scars and specks of shrapnel. That just blew me away thinking, wow, where has she been? The first image that comes to my mind is all the things we read about those who have survived frontline battles, Syria, Iraq, or someplace where there's warfare happening all around you. This is a different kind of warfare, Mm -hmm. and it has very much a spiritual dark warfare at the root of this. Mm -hmm. She became a victim of a violent crime when she was the least likely to be helped by anybody. What was her situation before she was attacked? Well, she was living in Stockton, California in April of 2021, addicted to meth, living on the street, collecting soda cans so that she could turn them in for recycling to earn some money to survive. This is her story and how she says it. About three o'clock in the morning on April 16th, she stood shrouded by an overgrown shrubbery near railroad tracks at a one-way street. And she heard the crunch of footsteps behind her. She tensed up, which you would, even though she had lived on the streets for all these years. I imagine you'd be hypervigilant. She still had fear about what might come up on her. She spun around and saw a dark figure with a gun pointed directly at her. And she thought, this is it. I'm dead here. You know, she said, I think that he chose me because I was alone. She couldn't see any identifying markers on him. His face was covered. He was wearing dark clothing. She said, I just stood there looking at him. And then I remember gunshots. And that's the last thing she remembers. She said, I saw the flash of the gun and heard the sound. I thought, I've been shot. 
But then it just felt like someone was throwing marbles at me. Hot marbles were just coming at me over and over and over. And it was terrifying to her, obviously, as it would be to all of us who experience something like that. Yeah, probably mixed with a lot of shock. She said, I really don't even know how many times he shot. I think maybe between eight and ten times, maybe more. She still has shrapnel in her body, leftover ammunition from these wounds that because of where they are, they're not able to get them out. She says, I'm lying on the ground bleeding. And I think this is it. And she said, I decided that I was dying. Hmm. In a moment, I heard a voice and I saw some light. I'm crying out to Jesus. Hmm. I'm crying out to him because that's what you do when you're in this kind of situation, she Hmm. says. She said, and you know what? He heard me. I knew that he was there. And how did you know and what did you hear? She said, I never saw him, but I felt him. I felt a presence that was comforting in this time. A presence that said, you can make it. You can get out of this. She scooched her way along this gravel on her back about 20 yards. And she got herself to the street. She pushed herself up a small incline, was hoping that she would be seen by an oncoming car, that someone would see her. And she said, with every move, I could feel blood pouring out of me. She said, this presence just kept urging me on. Hmm. And eventually, someone did see her and called 911. When the police came, then an ambulance was called. Police tried to take a statement from her there on the ground. And she says, I don't have a lot of memory of that. I kept going in and out of consciousness. And when they put me onto the stretcher for the ambulance, I just went out. Probably the pain took her out at that point. The ambulance had to wait for a train to pass before they could even get out of the area and took her to a trauma center. And she says, I woke up four days later in the hospital, but I still felt Jesus. I felt his presence there and it was calm and peaceful I knew that I was going to survive, and I knew that there was a reason. The thing that's remarkable to me about reading this the first time is that I reminded myself, wait a minute, this is not just some faith story that showed up in a Christian magazine somewhere. No. This is a reporter for CNN that's sitting down to hear her story and let her tell it. Mm-hmm. And there was no urging her to tamp down a particular detail because the intervention, the miracle in her life is the story. Yeah. And what began in her that day was not just hope for a future, but a sense of identity. She understood in a flash that she meant something to God himself. Mm-hmm. That he heard her. Yeah. And that he was aware of her situation and was leading her through it. Yeah. There are many testimonies that happen like that. I think you were correct in saying that what else do you do when you come to your rope's end? Then call out to somebody. And many people have heard the name Jesus, even if they've never used the name in the sense of appealing to someone who cares for them. They just, in their spirit, seem to know that name has power. And so they actually call out to that name, expecting or hoping that there might actually be a real reality behind it. Yeah. Well, and she said that the other miracle of this situation is not just that she survived, but that it was a forced sobriety for her. She was Mm. addicted to meth. And if you know anything about this addiction, it is something that is very difficult to overcome. Impossible, really, because yeah. uh, it completely disrupts a lot of your nervous system and makes it short circuit if you don't have a fix on a regular basis, like every so many hours. Yeah. And farther down you go, the more intense the crashes are, the more mm-hmm. intense the fixes are. Mm-hmm. And then people literally rot after a while because their teeth fall out, so their body breaks down mm-hmm. because of how toxic the chemical is. She hadn't gotten to the point of losing all of her faculties or her teeth, but she was getting pretty close to this. Yeah. Yeah. So this forced sobriety was simply that she was in a coma 
for days. So she's already through the first phase of withdrawal because she's not getting her fix during all that time. Mm -hmm. She said, the forced sobriety then became effortless sobriety. Mm. I began to see that my body could survive without the meth. And that was an epiphany for her in the hospital. She says that as she laid there in the hospital, not only did she find this sobriety and this peace, she also found that forgiveness for her was effortless. Mm. She forgave whomever it was that shot her. I've forgiven him fully. That's a constant thing for me. The question is why or how? It doesn't seem to make any sense that you just forgive this person that you know tried to take your life. Yeah. She says, I've tried to hate him. Mm. I've tried over and over to hate this man, but God won't let me. Mm. She doesn't really go on to explain that so much, but she just says, God won't let me hate him. So I don't. And that leads me to forgiveness, Mm. which I think is beautiful because oftentimes we live in a state of unforgiveness. We all go there, regardless of your spiritual level of of service to God and, and where you think you are spiritually. We all have a tendency toward unforgiveness. And the words she's using about a linkage between the positive and the negative. There's positive and forgiveness. The negative for her was hate. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing here is that there's a lesson to be learned that unforgiveness itself is, in that regard, spiritually speaking, mm-hmm. a kind of hate. Mm-hmm. And that if we're unwilling to forgive those who have harmed us, that we will instead defer to something else. And the opposite of that is going to be some kind of hate, a resentment that eats at us however long it stays in us. Mm, Yeah, I'm not saying that this is an easy thing at all. All I'm saying is that the reality is the opposite of forgiveness is going to be self-destructive. Absolutely. I do agree with that statement in the sense that when there's someone who has wronged us as intensely as she was wronged by this man, you do have a choice to make about whether or not you forgive or you hate There's another side to unforgiveness that leads toward accountability. Mm. I want to pivot there for just a second because she says her difficulty is in forgiving the police. Mm. She cannot at this point forgive the police for their lack of attentiveness in the situation. All of the markers were pointing to a specific person that had been committing some crimes previously to her shooting. There was what was being called at the time a serial killer. Was targeting people like her. Primarily men were being targeted, but they were all alone. They were homeless. Many of them were strung out on whatever drug of choice, but they were being targeted. And they're vulnerable in every way because their response time may be off and they may Mm -hmm. be not thinking rashly because they're strung out or high. Mm -hmm. So something about this particular attacker was targeting the most vulnerable people you can imagine. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at one 800 That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone, no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address. 
which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. Something about this particular attacker was targeting the most vulnerable people you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, they had already identified a very strong suspect in these previous killings. And up to this point, everybody before her had in fact been killed. Yes. She's the first survivor of these attacks. Yeah. She even tried to describe things to the police, but they never again took a statement from her. So she was very upset about all of that. And she said, there has to be an accountability in this. Yeah. And when the man who did, in fact, shoot her was finally arrested, he had committed other crimes after her. So that's where her anger comes yeah. from. She felt as though the information that she had that she could remember would have been beneficial to stop this. Yeah. And maybe another life could have been saved. Yeah. Now, I would say that the term that we might be more familiar with in the church would be the idea of righteous indignation, that there's something about her that rose up in justice on behalf of those who were also harmed after her. Mm-hmm. And she's not looking backward. It's not like she can do anything about what came before. But now that she has literally been spared her life, and in some strange, severe mercy, God brought her to the brink of death in order to save her life, and save her soul for that matter, Mm -hmm. she's on a whole different trajectory forever because of that experience. So she's not holding it against God for allowing her to be shot. He's literally saved her in this. Mm -hmm. But looking forward, now she has a reason to care for the things that are true and righteous. And when she realizes that her knowledge could have been useful to protect others, she felt the weight of that morally. And when others did not take her seriously because of how they viewed her, that costs other people their lives. And so I would understand why there would be a lot of anger left over for a person who's had that total worldview shift. It's still aiding at her. And she readily admits that in the article. Well, of the seven that were killed by this man, five of them happened after her shooting. She believes that something could have been done. Ballistics matching the weapon to the ammunition that was used in her shooting and in the killings of the other previous two men. She is angry because of that. It is a righteous anger that you talk about. And I think the scripture gives us permission in so many instances to have that righteous anger, even if it seems to be toward authority or perceived authority that is not measuring up to their role in protecting us. And in their authority. In a flash, this woman is now able to see what is true and right. And understanding that there is injustice in this world, she needs to be on the side of right. She's suddenly one of the good guys. Yeah. I mean, and God gave her the heart for that. Her heart had been changed mm-hmm. to see the world as someplace that the vulnerable are taken advantage of or are harmed. And she was one of them. Mm-hmm. But she's not now. Her heart is tender, Mm -hmm. but she's not a lost cause. And she knows that. She knows she has identity and meaning to the God of the universe, Mm -hmm. which has changed everything. So going forward now, she tells the story to this reporter. What is the takeaway that you're getting from the end of this article, her testimony, her life story as it's gone so far? The reporter asks her that very question. She said, I'm not angry about being shot. I'm angry about what I have to go through because of being shot, Mm -hmm. all of the rehab and the pain that it's created. But I'm grateful that Mm -hmm. my life was spared. And I found God in this. I found that the Lord found me. Mm -hmm. 
And he's given me the chance to help others in this. She wants to pursue victim advocacy. She wants to be the person that comes in and advocates for those who are victims of severe and violent crime. Mm. She believes that it's important to have someone there with them because she felt so alone. And she said, if there was someone that was with me, that walked through this with me, it could have been an easier time for me. In her case, hers was miraculous. Someone did come along beside her and she sensed that presence. Mm -hmm. And she's realizing, like we talk about in Compassion Radio all the time, the idea of showing up in the name of Jesus means you are the hands and feet of Jesus in that place. You're stepping into something that God has ordained for that person's life. And you happen to be a witness to this and somehow are being useful. That just floors me every time it happens for us when we're someplace where other than God bringing us there, we would have no reason to be in that room with these people. But God allowed us that privilege. And just being present sometimes is all there is that needs to happen. God's going to use your presence alone to comfort and to heal. Something really spoke to me about what she says at the end of all this. It would be very easy, in my opinion, for her to just be angry and bitter. Mm -hmm. You know, why did this happen to me? What could possibly come from this that's good? If you really circle back around and start to really thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. And she says, you know, I look at all of this and now I'm sober. That's an amazing miracle in itself because I never thought that would happen to me. She says, you know, the one way that we can show gratitude, which is something we talk about a lot here on Compassion Radio, the one way that I'm going to show gratitude for the rest of my life is to stay sober. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said, that is a thing that has eluded me for many years of my life. But now that it is in my power to stay sober and to show gratitude, that's the way I'm going to do it. I'm still clean all these months after the shooting, and she's still sober. She's still passionate about reaching others who have been victims of violent crime. I'm never going to go back to using She vowed this, never, never, never. She insisted she is firm in her divine beliefs. And this was the kicking statement, and it really meant a lot to you too. And she said, I am honored God is using me for whatever his higher power is. God is dope. Seriously. He's the best, she said. Well, I agree with her. (laughs) And she's earned the right to speak with authority. She is a trustworthy witness to what God can do because he's doing it in her. She has seen things that most of us only imagine are possible because we've read about them in the Bible or something. We've heard a testimony before, but we never really met somebody that's gone through a supernatural encounter with God that changed everything. Mm-hmm. and somehow survived it to tell the tale. In this situation, it seems quite clear that God's using her very life to be a light into an area where he wants to reach many more. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just want her to be safe. He wants her to be reckless in love for others because he is, mm-hmm. and she gets it. She gets him because he was with her at the worst moment she could possibly have experienced in her life alive in this world. Yeah. And she has a whole new life now because of it. I do want to pivot to a scripture which comes from Psalm 130. And it has to do with forgiveness because she brings forgiveness to me into the conversation in a very unique way. Mm -hmm. She's saying she was forbidden by God himself to hate. And therefore, the natural antidote to that or the counter to what hate could have become in her was forgiveness. He said, release this person. And that's what forgiveness really is. It's not the absence of feelings that are negative or absence of memory. Forgiveness, biblically speaking, is turning over to God what he says I will take care of and really letting him take it, Mm -hmm. disavowing our, quote, rights 
to demand a pound of flesh out of somebody who hurt us. Yeah. I think sometimes we think the opposite of hate is love. Mm. She's not saying that. No. She's not saying, I love this man who shot me and tried to kill me. Right. She's saying, I forgive this man. And exactly like you said, honey, that releases this man to God's hands. Not the liability he might have for his violence or for his evil, but releasing it from her right to judge and demand satisfaction Mm -hmm. and putting it in God's hands. Yeah, And it's not her responsibility to punish this man. Correct. And if God chooses to do something different with this man or redeem him or do something amazing in his life, whatever God wants to do is his right to do so because we have given him back his due rights. Mm -hmm. He's God, I'm not. That's an incredible amount of wisdom that has appeared in her life because of that miracle. Yeah. Now, Forgiveness is spoken of often in the Bible. We all know that. But it's always based upon the nature and the character of God. And in Psalm 130, the psalmist is saying, Yahweh, out of the depths I call to you. O Adonai, hear my voice. Let your ears be open to my pleas for mercy. In other words, I know I need forgiveness for something. We're not saying what the sin might be, but something is compelling this songster, this psalmist, this worship leader to call out to God personally. O Yahweh, Who would be able to stand if you kept a record of sins? Mm. But with you, there is forgiveness so that you can be feared. And that is an amazing turn of phrase for me because it's not talking about being afraid. It's talking about having the ability to give honor to the one who deserves it. If it was not possible for us to be forgiven, we could never approach God to honor him, to worship him. He has to clear the path first for us. Mm -hmm. And the psalmist knows that. So with you, there's forgiveness so that you can be feared. I wait for Yahweh, and with much hope, I wait for his word. At the end of that psalm, it says, O Israel, put your hope in Yahweh, because with Yahweh there is mercy, and with him there is unlimited forgiveness. In the voice translation, it says there is abundant redemption. Yeah. God will make something out of nothing in our life. We Mm -hmm. might think that our lives are shatters, the broken glass that cannot be made at anything positive. We've said before that God in his economy is able to do things that are impossible for us. He can take zeros and multiply them into something valuable. Exactly. If we feel or experience a zero in our life, our life has been wiped out. He can literally resurrect or create something that has never been. Mm -hmm. God can and does and will. And Natasha Latour is the prime example this week for us of what God is all about, which is creating a life where there was none and redeeming that which was lost and restoring that which was abandoned or seemingly unworthy of any value or love ever again. Mm-hmm. Her life is a monument to God's work in our lives. And for that, I thank her for sharing her story with yeah. a reporter from CNN. Absolutely. So give me a last word takeaway, honey, on this one. I think I'm just again reminded going into Lent this year about the importance of gratitude mm. and the importance of taking a really long and deep dive and look into my life to see what are the things that I am taking for granted. Mm. What are the things that I am holding on to that I need to release? What are the areas of unforgiveness yeah. that I need to release to God? And to give back to him as a service of worship so that he can do his work in that area of whomever or whatever's life and situation. Amen to that. And on that note, we'll end this Compassion Radio 360 program. We wish you guys the very best in your Lenten season. Perhaps there are things that you are turning over to God and letting him pull out from you that it's time to let him have. Mm -hmm. And if so, we are praying that God will help you and enable you and strengthen you for that very task. 
because I believe, I'm convinced that God has something better as a result of us giving him what seems worthless to us. He will create worth in us. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us today on Compassion Radio 360. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.